Uh, hello listeners, welcome back to a very special episode of My Sister Made Me View It, featuring our honorary brother, Ted. Today we will be going through Edge Dancer by Brandon Sanderson. My name is Megan, and I should be probably laundry still more. It never stops. Never stops. My name is Emily, and I just finished Edge Dancer. There's nothing else I should be doing. And I'm Ted, and uh, I should be going to the grocery store. But instead, I'm here making a podcast. Yay! We're making a podcast! Uh, Thank you so much, honorary brother Ted, for coming back after your triumphant Warbreaker episode to join us on yet another special Cosmere project. I'm so excited. I, I hate to correct you, Megan. But I'm the special guest on this podcast. Oh, why is that? (laughs) Because Megan and Ted made plans to do a podcast and forgot to invite me. That's not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) It's not what happened. (laughs) I've been telling you for months to read Edge Dancer. Literal months. You're like, you don't let me do anything. And I'm like, read Edge Dancer. Read The Emperor's Soul. And then while we were recording... Uh, you were like, you should set up a time for us to do Edge Dancer with Ted. And I'm like, I absolutely should. So I messaged Ted while I was talking to Emily. And Ted, you and I set our initial date for this Their own podcast. And I was like, perfect. I did it. (laughs) And I never (laughs) said out loud to Emily that that's what we had done. (laughs) So when I messaged you and I was like, hey, remember that Edge Dancer record is tomorrow. And you said, remember (laughs) (laughs) and i had never actually told her and she just didn't bother to read it that's also you know not a hundred percent true i also did not bother to read it until the day before (laughs) our previous date or the day before today our second date (laughs) It's very easy to procrastinate, even though it's a short, a short novella. <laughs> but now we're we're all here. We're all together. We have all read it, right? We have all yes. read it. Yes. yes. So it's like, oh no, do we Ted, have to reschedule? As the guest, was this the first time you've read Edge Dancer, or did you read it before during your big Cosmere rush? I I read it all the way through. Uh, yeah, I got a copy of Arcanum Unbounded. Is that what it's called? Um, mm-hmm. I also always want to call it the Ars Arcanum, but that's the, the little postscript yes. bits. Listeners, I realize that so many times in our Words of Radiance podcast, I've just called Arcanum Unbounded the Ars Arcanum. So, I my mean, bad. How can you use the word Ar- Arcanum in two different ways in your epic fantasy series? Yeah. It's just confusing. Uh, but yeah, I, I read it. I picked up a copy of Arcanum Unbounded to read edge dancer between words of radiance and oathbringer the way that you all are doing and then i tried Mm -hmm. i also read the little like footnote on the rosharan system ahead of edge dancer i don't know if emily read that Uh but there were like slight like cosmere spoilers that didn't get revealed until later in oathbringer by reading that so i'm glad i'm glad you waited i think it was maybe a mistake to read well megan just tells me everything that happens she just let's just not talk about that (laughs) listen emily said i didn't have to say this on the podcast but i feel like i do oh no you spoiled it i was showing her select miniatures from the miniatures campaign that's coming out 
and uh, and there's a miniature that's Dalinar in armor, and she was like, "Oh, I wish they showed his face." And I'm like, "Oh, there's a miniature of Dalinar," and I show it to her, not realizing it's during an epic, magical moment in Oathbringer, and she's just staring at it, and she goes. Is that magic coming from? And I sort of go, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so Emily knows at some point something magic happens with Down Art Oathbringer, and I'm so I'm such a bad podcast. But I mean, I would I can't believe like it is possible to read Oathbringer without having read Edge Dancer. It's so sad because this yeah. is a it's a pivotal yeah. it's a pivotal character beat for what's his face mm-hmm. Javert. Yeah. So Ted mentioned the four note to Edge Dancer. What you said for the Rosharan system. So Emily, I'm going to tell you a bit about Arcanum Unbounded. Mm-hmm. You know the magical notes we get from Chris. Yes. And Nas and, and, you know, their associates. Mm-hmm. Arcanum Unbound is a collection of Chris's research. Okay. Where every story from the different systems through the Cosmere is preceded by a series of small notes from Chris on what she knows about that system and their investiture. Okay. So, after Edge Day Oathbringer, <laughs> after Oathbringer, you can read uh, some of Chris's research around the Cosmere. Perfect. I'm looking forward to it. I'm so excited. Listen, you all have ruined this for me because I'm just like, this is just going to be a series I'm going to read once and be completely done with and just say, nope, I've read it. We never have to talk about it again. And now I'm just like, I need everything on this. And it's very frustrating. Now, Emily, ranking Edge Dancer with words of... Let me finish so the audience knows what I'm asking because I know the answer, but I'm trying to set it up for them. If you were to rank... Way of Kings, Words of Radiance, and Edge Dancer. Which one is your number one favorite? Edge Dancer, number one favorite. Emily loves Edge wow. Dancer. Loved it so much. I'm so psyched for this conversation. This is great. This one was so good because I'm like, oh, it's just quote unquote just a novella. It's just gonna be some like background stuff. It's gonna be oh, that's nice to know. No, it was wonderful. It was so good. It was so. So good. Emily, do you okay. know there's another one of these? It's not about Lyft. There but... is? Not about Lyft. There's oh. another novella between Oathbringer and Rhythm of War. What is it? I almost feel like we should tell her who the lead character is. I think it's fine. So we can get her. It's exciting. Tell me yeah. Something. It's Risen. <gasps> Risen gets her own novella. Yes! I love Risen! It's because very she good. she was betrayed. She was it's not betrayed! that she gets her own <laughs> Her own novella. <laughs> so that's what you have to look forward to after yes. Oathbringer. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for that gift, um, Ted. Thank you. Because as Brandon mentions in his little follow-up note to Edge Dancer, there's a lot of story stuff that happens off screen for both Lyft and for Nail that he just, he couldn't fit it all in Words of Radiance and he wanted to bring them in when they show up in Oathbringer. Mm-hmm. Um and so he originally planned this to be 16,000 words and it ended up being like 40,000. <laughs> well, it's funny. We've talked about before where Brandon, is, you know, his publishers are like, Brandon, this can't be a long book. You know, this has to be shorter. And, and you know, and he brings them these monster books. And I'm just like, this absolutely, like, needed to be printed. Like, it, it the events in Edge Dancer... I totally understand why they had to take it out, you know, of Words of Radiance just because it was just massive anyway. But, like, 
Oh, it's, I'm just so glad we have this now. Real fast. Um, I put collars on my cats for Emily's visit so they'd all look nice. And I realize now I've armed all three of my cats with jingle bells. So <laughs> I'm going to step away real fast and take everybody's collars off. Um, but then I'll be right back. So uh, don't pause your recordings, but y'all can talk amongst yourselves. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Um so did you read all of Ted did you read all of Stormlight Archives and then go back and read this Arcanum Unbounded or did you read it in order like you knew it came between the two books? I I think I got the reading order from Meg as like like when I should read certain things cuz there are certain things mm-hmm. in Arcanum Unbounded including the sort of like like cuz it's since it's little bits about the magic systems of each planet there are some things that you can read anytime and then some things that are like this one is probably the one that you really have to wait till you've read words of radiance to read for it to make any sense mm-hmm. um because like the one set in the the emperor's soul is in the elantris world but it's not like narratively mm-hmm. connected to anything yeah yeah so i don't remember exactly what order I read the short stories in, but I knew that I had but to, you knew that to they... pick up Edge Dancer. Got it. Yeah, because I think we were in the middle of, I think we were in the middle of recording Words of Radiance. We hadn't made it to the end yet, and I don't even know if we'd made it to the lift chapter yet, but Meg was like, oh, you're going to be reading Edge Dancer. You could probably just read it, and then she's like, mm, no, don't, 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 because... Yeah. <laughs> Something that I keep forgetting. I always think that the lift interlude is part of Edge Dancer. That like... Well, wasn't it originally like... I th- yeah. Like, I thought that it was that like, oh yeah, I forget that Edge Dancer takes place in a different town. And I thought, we see Lyft come to town and she meets the thieves ahead of time. The stuff with Gox and Darkness happens. And then she has a follow-up adventure with Darkness and that's the rest of Edge Dancer. And I completely forgot, because the first time I read it was in 2016 when it came out. And I just haven't reread it since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was seven years ago. And a lot can be forgotten. <laughs> I looked on Copper Mines. They had the lift interlude from words of radiance listed as the prologue to edge dancer and then i was really surprised when i picked up edge dancer because i wanted to i ended up rereading the lift interlude because i hadn't read that since i would uh read words of radiance either but yeah at least in the books that i have they're totally separate yeah so voice wise edge dancer is a lot of fun and a lot of the things that kind of aggravate me about lift in her interlude in words of radiance she has like her whole arc and like her own story and edge dancer as she moves towards saying her third ideal when she gets her uh her shard fork (laughs) (laughs) it was so delightful and i was telling meg i mean i'm used to i say used to you know the brandon sanderson books i've read quote unquote you know they're these monsters where you've got to like build tiny pieces upon tiny pieces upon tiny pieces until at the end they all come together in this amazing way and I just I was I I think I was expecting the book to be a lot longer than it was and then all of a sudden like it was just everything was in motion all the time and it was such an entertaining 
fun, captivating read. Yes. Bite size. Bite size. <laughs> you guys should know that as Lyft turns pancakes into Stormlight, Emily and I are turning pancakes into this podcast. <laughs> we both got up this morning to, she was finishing off her reading and then I was rereading it. And then when it was done, I was like, we should have pancakes for breakfast, right? <laughs> like we should. We did. Oh, I wish I'd thought of that. That sounds delicious. <laughs> You've still got time. You can get dinner after this. That's true. Pancakes for dinner. In honor of Lyft. All right. Let's dive in. Lyft prepared to be awesome. Emily, do you know the name of the new town Lyft is coming to visit? Why do you do this to me? We've been doing this for three years. If anything, at this point, you're doing it to me. (laughs) (laughs) It is a place called Tashik. T-A-S-H-I-K-K. All right. And now, or Tashik? I don't know. I always say them incorrectly. I really do apologize. I want to say Tashik. It is a part of the Azish Empire mm-hmm. because Gox is their emperor as well. That is one of the things that really helps lift along the way. Mm-hmm. So, can you find it? Can you find Tashik on the map? Good job. There it is. There it right is. Right away. It's right under Azirona. Azirona. I see it right there. <laughs> yeah. In the eastern half of Roshar. And Emily, do you know when Edge Dancer is taking place? This is, I believe, it's right after Words of Radiance. Like, the storm is has happened. It's coming around the wrong way, and people are still not sure if that's a real thing or not. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of miscommunication, uh, still a lot of misunderstanding, where people are like, well, they say that the storm is coming the wrong way, but that's impossible, but yet it's, it's supposed to be the weeping right now and raining, but... The farmers have to keep planting food because it's dry, and so, yeah. yeah. And, of course, now that their collar's off, my cats are docile, lying on the floor, and totally silent and well-behaved. <laughs> Amazing. Everyone got what they wanted. It was it was their, it was their plot to get their collars off. Okay. While you're getting that set up, I also am going to brag about what a good sister I am. I hauled so much stuff from our parents' house out here to California. For Megan. Cool. What was it? It was was two small mailed boxes from Brandon Sanderson. And a book. And a hat. Small? Were they really small? Well, by by small, I mean they're they're about the size of a normal Brandon. No, they are not. About. No, they're so much bigger than that. Great. Now, Emily, (laughs) what are you getting in exchange for these? Oh, no. I'm getting called out. She's getting my prized possession. <laughs> my I'm getting my it. PlayStation 4. It's mine. I said you could have it when I got a <laughs> PS5. Do I have a PS5 yet? No. Am I still giving you my PlayStation? Yes. My wow. prized possession, my one true love. Thank wow. you. And you're welcome. We get along fine. We get along great. Oh. As we were reading, so Emily's favorite character, Zeth, shows up at some point at Edge Dancer. And Emily's trying to figure out, like, what's going on, what's the deal with him and Nalen. And she looks at me and she goes, so, tell me, is is Zeth going to bond his own spread and become a truth okay. watcher and, like, speak those? O- and she's, like, asking me all this stuff. And I just look at her and go, obviously, Rafo. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's a good take. 
I like that. That is a fun take. I really like it. I was just hoping maybe I could trick her into telling me something at one point. Because you've tricked me. (laughs) Tricked me. You've tricked me into telling you a specific character is alive in book four. And I just showed you a picture of Dalinar. I love Edge Dancer because it has a cameo from Nightblood, one of my favorite Cosmere characters of all time. Yes. I was was so excited when that showed up. Yeah, I'm like, Ted and Meg and I are going to have so much fun talking about this. Uh, so the Shin language has honorifics in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't know what all of the honorifics like classified or mean, but he speaks to Nightblood with an honorific. So Sword Nimi. I know, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, let's start at the very beginning. Very good place to start. I love the comedic timing of these drop dead trees at the beginning. I think it's hilarious. Like I can, and I know I say this all the time, but like I can picture in a filmed version of these books that Lyft is like sliding and being awesome and going so fast. And then she hits the tree and she hits the ground and there's like a moment of silence. And then the tree goes, flop. Uh (laughs) And it's just so fun. I might draw that now that I have, now that I have a TikTok. (laughs) putting animation on tiktok to no small success because they appreciate animations over there they do uh, but uh lift is on the run she is fleeing azir now emily mm-hmm. at first did you think she'd gotten in trouble and left yeah yeah because that's kind of what it made it sound like in the words of radiance interlude of She's with a group of thieves. It seems like she's very familiar with this lifestyle. And so it just made sense that she was running away to save her own skin. You know, that there was a a very, maybe even a dire reason that this was happening. But no, she was suspicious of all the free stuff they're trying to give her. Like, they're trying to educate her and give her nice clothes and feed her. And she's like, nope, this is so, so weird and so suspect that I'm getting out of here. Uh, Emily, what have you picked up on Lyft's backstory through reading Edge Dancer? Okay, this was one thing I wanted to talk about with you and Ted, is that reading the the interlude in Words of Radiance and then starting in Edge Dancer and reading, I'm just like, she comes across as very young. Like, I mean, she's written that way. She's written as she's a, a young teenager and that sort of thing. But I'm like, she also comes across just very, very young. That's the only thing I can really think of to explain that. Um, And it was a little annoying at first just because, uh, you know, I'm just like, I'm just kind of getting hammered over and over and over with how, how young she sounds and how young she feels. But for me, I felt like it tied in really, really well as we learn more about her wish from the night watcher, um, kind of what she wants out of life. And by the end of Edge Dancer, I just felt like she had been put on the page and comes across very well like her lift is her own character she has her own mysterious atmosphere to her um i just loved it i loved her way of looking at the world i loved the way that she interpreted things and how to her it made complete and perfect sense and to other people they're just like what? you're so weird like i just i loved it so Lift, when she went to the Night Watcher, she asks for her to not, for herself to not change anymore. That was her wish. Mm-hmm. And in the Words of Radiance chapter, Lift believes that she has been 10 years old for three years. 
and that she has not grown or changed. But in Edge Dancer, she started to notice that she has gotten taller and that she is changing. And so she hasn't gotten what she asked the Night Watcher for. Unless I was going to ask Ted when he was going to say, and if I'm not mistaken, I, th- I think Wendell implies that she got her period for the first time when she was in the palace. And then, mm-hmm. like, you know, I. She freaked out. Completely. That happens. The, like, believing, <laughs> believing that you will be able to be a child forever and that being even more uh, traumatic. Because I, you know, getting to the end of that, realizing that was her wish. Um, and I was like, well, Meg, does that mean she didn't get her wish? Or, you know, we know that the Night Watcher fulfills the wish in ways that maybe you weren't expecting or didn't want or, you know, things like that. But I feel like maybe she did get what she wanted is that she does have this black and white view of the world. And I think like as we get older, we tend to make exceptions and our, our mindsets go a little more, you know, in the gray area. But like Lyft just felt like Lyft the whole time, even though she had new experiences and her ways of thinking changed or she learned more about the world her way of thinking still didn't change if that made sense so i i believe that lift told the night watcher i don't want to change i'm afraid of changing and i i feel that what the night watcher gave her was the ability to accept change. Mm-hmm. That like what Lyft asked for was for everything to stay the same. And what the Night Watcher gave her was like the ability to like be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe not directly though. Because she's she also very directly got the ability to turn food into stormlight, into investiture. Which is very cool and ends up almost being a benefit to her in the final where she's like, oh, Nail has limited stormlight and I can make more even during the weeping. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, what what are our theories about how her wish to not change ties to this like ability to... Food gift. Metabolize things. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Meg and I, we were chatting as I was reading this because I'm still trying to make sure I keep everything straight with her gift she got from the Night Watcher versus her abilities as a Radiant. And I was Mm -hmm. getting them mixed up. So if that happens here, you please correct me. But like if you, with, with her Stormlight, I feel like it gives Lyft the ability to be more Lyft. And so it didn't change anything. It just like gave her more permission or more allowances to be like, she gets to be awesome. Like she gets to go around and do all these awesome things. And technically she wasn't able to do that before, but it's things that I think she would have done anyway if she like had the physical ability to do. Yeah. It lets her like live outside the structures that everyone's trying to put her into. Mm. Like she doesn't have to stay at the palace. She's, it turns out she's traveled all around the world. She's been like all the way North to the Pure Lakes. Um, Emily, where do you think the Night Watcher is? I had the impression that she was, okay, this might be wrong, but I had the impression that she was by the Pure Lakes because they have magic fish there. And I feel like the Night Watcher is magic E. A magic fish? No. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Night Watcher is a big fish. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's just like 
That's where my brain has, yeah, put the pin on the map. Um, Lyft says that her mother told her they were from the Reshi Isles, but it doesn't sound like Lyft was born there. Right. Do you know how her mom died? It sounded like she got sick. Do you know how her mom died? I swear, because she said that, like... So, I don't remember specific details about Lyft's backstory beyond what came up here. The stuff that I have in my head is, like, I don't know how much of it is theorized or actually revealed in later Stormlight Archives books. Um, But it did seem... I got the impression that she had some kind of illness and needed a caretaker... And no one was there for her, except it, perhaps to Lyft. Me, yeah, to me it sounded like Lyft like, was sad that her mom only had her to take care of her. Like, I don't know if she left or if she just, like, did as best she could <clears> because she sounded like she was young, you know. Uh, but maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that was her reasoning when she went to the Night Watcher is her mom was sick. And she knew if her mom died, things would change. So she went and, like, requested for things not to change. Mm -hmm. Something else that's part of what's up with Lyft that's not part of her radiant powers is Wendell believes that Lyft is always partially in the cognitive realm, Shadesmar, Mm -hmm. which is why she's able to touch with and interact with Wendell physically. Hmm. And we don't know mm-hmm. if that's true, but that is Wendell's hypothesis. I, I um, also, this is maybe just like a spoiler, but it's real minor, so I'm going to say it anyway. I think the thing where she can see Seth's, like, shadow, like... Yes! That is, I think, also, fans believe, connected to her, like, weird cognitive realmness. I don't really remember so if we learn what it means, or if people just speculate about it, or if it's like a Brandon says type of thing but yeah i'm so excited to talk about seth in this book (laughs) what that that just reminds me the way that i think about lift's power and her like the fact that she's in the cognitive realm and she has this weird metabolizing thing i'm going to draw an analogy to uh buffy season six so spoilers for buffy season six feel free to jump ahead a minute or two but when buffy uh gets revived again and that something about that process means that Spike is able to hurt her. And she has that kind of like crisis about how like she's changed or she's not really human or something. I feel like something about what the Night Watcher did to Lyft has like made her different in almost like a technicality way. And so maybe the oh, metabolizing ooh. food is like it's just more of like a side effect than it is a gift. So like I don't I don't I don't know what it would mean that you know, she's I'm, she's stuck. Some part of her is stuck. But maybe it's not her body. Maybe it's... I don't know. I'm not a realmatic theorist. I, so I, I don't know what it would be. But, uh, um. I'd love that. Um, double checked. In Edge Dancer... Sorry. In Words of Radiance, we find out she grew up in a place called Raul Alorum, which horrible war and suffering is the going on. City of Shadows. The City of Shadows. Right now, so. I don't the know city of Shadows. Ooh. That sounds cool. <laughs> right. Right now. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so um, Lyft is coming to a city in Tashik called Yadaw, and this is a town that Dalinar mentions um, when he was talking to people at the feasts. Mm-hmm. He had seen, uh, someone was talking about, oh, uh, they're talking about this town called Sesamalik's Dar. Okay. And 
Dalinar goes, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. It's it's completely, like, covered from the storms and everything. Uh, and they've made Yadat to look like Sesamalik Star of the past. And Emily, how did they build this new strange, not new, but how did they build this completely sheltered city from the high storms? They had used shard blades. Yeah. Yeah. They had... Uh, they had rented out the Imperial Shard Blades out of Azir to use them to build a city. And this cool. also takes me back to back in Way of Kings when Dalinar was like, why do we only use Shard Blades for war? Why aren't there craftsman tools? And I feel that these people using the Shard Blades for an unintended purpose, a peaceful purpose, is very much like Lyft using Windle as a fork rather than as a weapon. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, not to pull back on one of our other podcasts, but uh, if you listen to our Roswell podcast, I do. Listeners, you should. Oh, good! Too. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ted. Um, it reminds me there. There, uh, real quick, Roswell. There are teenage aliens uh, trying to figure out who they are in the universe, that sort of thing, and they find someone who they think can be like their teacher and their mentor, and he is only really interested in training the boys uh and so when one of them one of the females is just you know she's saying like well why can't i help or why can't i do this and he's like because girls like can't do that that's not an ability that they have but we find out later that's not true and so the idea of do you want your cat to be doing that no taco (laughs) he's so high up on the kitchen counter he's going into the cupboards um the idea that I think people can achieve anything they want until someone tries to say, like, no, that's not possible. And so if someone, like, tells you that's not possible, I think that gets in your head and you're just like, well, yeah, of course I can't do that. That's not something I'm able to do. And now I'm trying to remember why I brought this up in connection to... Oh, that shard blades are only used for war. Oh. (laughs) So, yeah, the idea that... um, they really don't know everything that shard blades can be used for. Like, uh, shallons can shrink. Like, the other ones can't do that. Like, there's so many there's so many possibilities that I think people just don't realize they can do because they've been taught their whole lives that's not possible. Mm-hmm. And that takes away the wonder of this wondrous thing when it's just like, nope, it can do A, B, C, and that's it. When you realize it can do so much more. Yeah, so the the dead shard blades that most everyone use mm-hmm. uh, are only swords. But the living blades, like we've seen Kaladin with Syl and then Shallan with, you know, Hersbren, uh, they can change form. They can change shape mm-hmm. to be whatever the Radiant asks them to be. Yeah. Um, but it seems like every time so far we've gathered radiance together, it's just for war. It's just for the desolation. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be nice if radiance got to stay after a desolation and do something good? So as she enters the city, uh, Lyft has a great interaction with the poor captain of the guard who's <laughs> registering people coming in. And you're getting into trouble a little early today, aren't we? <laughs> Well, um, the idea, because we know, we know from earlier, uh, learning about, is it the Golden Palace? What do they call it in, what do they call it in Lyft? Yeah, interlude. I don't know, the Boob Palace. (laughs) That's the one. (laughs) Um, how they write everything down and like, you know, you apply to become 
emperor by writing an essay and how everything and that's how darkness comes in and is able to like he's like i have the right paperwork uh-huh. to murder this kid you know sort of a thing um i love that that comes over into into this other city because they're technically ruled by the emperor and so they have all this paperwork that needs to happen and this guy's trying to get into the city and you realize throughout the conversation that he has like gone and stolen all this grain while everyone's off at war and so the the guards aren't even phased. They're like, well, we're going to have to put it down as this and this and this and make sure it's right in the paperwork and, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's. And it was just such a fun world building thing that is just kind of like a a side thing. But it has so much like, I mean, it's carried over from it just the implications. The implications are great. I love this. So good. There's so many great little elements. Like one that stood out to me later on is when she's trying to trade secrets with a random woman on the street and the woman's like she's like doesn't want to interact with her and then finally she like pulls the mask away and she's like you're not actually being a very good beggar <laughs> and yes. like maybe you should refresh yourself on the rules like just a little pro yes. tip and Lyft is like no that's not what I'm doing you don't get it yeah, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the culture uh, is very eccentric yeah one of the reasons why Lyft is so overt in displaying her edge dancer powers is she is trying to draw out Nalen. She has figured out that Nail is coming here to track down and kill another proto-radiant or pre-radiant, and Lyft wants to get there ahead of him. So we've seen characters who keep secrets from the audience before. Like, we got that all through Words of Radiance with Shalon. Um... And I feel that, like, Lyft, the audience finds things out in the order that they do, not because Lyft is, like, deliberately obfuscating or trying to hide it, but she's operating in her own logic that just, like, makes perfect sense to her. And it's not until Wendell puts the pieces together that he's like, oh, you're so overt with your powers because you want darkness to come after you. And Lyft is like, obviously. (laughs) And I'm like, not obvious to me. (laughs) So, Wendell. I want to talk a little bit about Wendell. Love him. Emily, what specifically does he garden? Souls. Souls of? Hold on. It was here. Hold on. (laughs) Whatever. It was souls of chairs. Oh, that's right. That's right. And he was, he talks later. He's like, you know, we weren't even going to bond with you. They wanted us to bond to a cobbler and I could have made shoes. I could have gardened shoes and it would have been amazing. And like... He just, it's so funny because he's a, apparently a master gardener, you know, from back in Shadesmar. And he just talks about like how glorious and wonderful his creations were about like, and I'm like, but chairs yeah, are speaking so boring of eccentric and ordinary. Societies, yeah. This, mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll get an interlude in Spren World, you know. In the yeah. Right. Oh, I would love to see what Shadesmar looks like. I bet it looks cool. Uh, anyway, we don't normally think of inanimate things like boats or chairs having souls, mm-hmm. but apparently they do. And they're... And Shalon murdered However, that shows up in Shadesmar, Wendell was able to cultivate a garden of chair souls. I love that. That's so interesting. That's so cool. Um, anyway, so... Lyft has two goals here. She she wants Nail to notice her and, you know, figure out what he's doing. And Emily, what is her other goal inside the city? They are having, I don't know if it's a festival or it's for not. for the weeping. It's for the weeping. Uh, they make ten different types of pancakes. And her goal is to 
eat one of each of them. And I love the first time because she's she's slid into like this. I don't know if it's the guardhouse or if it's like a cafeteria area, but she eats a couple and she's like, wait, 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 what kind were these? I have to mark them off my list. Like in the (laughs) middle of her like running and, you know, dodging and weaving. She's like, tell me what they were. (laughs) I just want to jump to this right now. But Emily, she thinks there are 10 different kinds of pancakes. How many are there actually? There are only physically nine of them. Devastating. (laughs) I know, but it's another example of 10 always being turned to nine throughout these books. And why are there only nine physical pancakes? Uh, Because the 10th is a metaphysical. Yes. It's a A preternatural pancake. (laughs) Okay, but now shouldn't shouldn't Lyft be able to eat that because she's part of the cognitive realm? Isn't that how that works? Lyft, go back! (laughs) Lyft, go back! You can do it! (laughs) Oh. So as Lyft enters the city, she's trying to get some food because she burns all of it up in the in the stuff with the guards. Yeah. And Ted, where does she go to find food as a poor little child on the streets? She just has to do what all the other kids without food do and uh, goes. I, I forget how she gets the information about it, but she goes to an orphanage run by a uh, grouchy old woman called the Stump. Who can't help what she looks like, Lyft. That's so mean. Lyft is, Lyft is not... so rude about everyone's appearance Wait, all the where's time. Wait, where's Lyft the... Ex- is, where's yeah. the... It's probably her biggest character flaw. A shriveled up weed of a woman. Seriously. She looked like the child of a broom and a particularly determined clump of moss. Her skin drooped off her butt. Like, she just goes on and on about how ugly this woman is. And, like, later on, when uh, at the end of the, of the book where she's like, oh, you should come back with me. You could be of help to the emperor, even though you're so ugly. And then she looks at the lady and sort of shrugs like, I mean, obviously you are. And Lyft thinks she had to know. She had to have a mirror. And I'm like, um, but where Lyft got the information to go to the orphanage is talking with another little beggar girl on the street. Got a lunks. The marm, she got a lunks good. And then Lyft says, got a lunks for smalls? Got a lunks for smalls. And when this fun, you know, street urchin conversation what is over, Windows like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how? How do you know all this? And Lyft is like, it's just about repeating the right words. But this brings up the words that Lyft eventually takes to heart and turns into her third Knight's Radiant vow is that um, you, the girl said to Lyft, outsider? Yeah. You listening? I'm listening. People, they don't listen. And Lyft has always been like, act first, think never. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are several instances in this book where she has to wait to act while the scribes are going through things, while she's sitting and watching, while she's trying to figure something out. And her question is always, how do people always know what to do? And it's so much fun to see, you know, this is a part of growing up where when you're little, typically the grownups in your life do all the thinking and they take care of everything for you. Mm -hmm. And... To be a kid forever is you never have to think about the implications. You mm-hmm. always get to be a little kid and have fun. And Lyft really grows in this book because she's learning to listen, not just to what people say, but like listen to her own emotions, listen to a situation to like wait and think before she acts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very fitting that her power is that she can escape wherever she is, right? So if the thing she's most afraid of is, like, 
having to think about her own sad feelings. It's like the 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 superpower you would most want is to be able to like ricochet off the walls and go sliding to a totally different place mm-hmm. and never have to That's... to sit with your feelings. I love that. That is great. So at this orphanage, um, we see a young boy get abandoned there who's probably recently had a head injury. Mm-hmm. And his mom just apparently does not know how to take care of him, or does not have the time to take care of him anymore. And this is a really sad story because Lyft talks about how, oh, yeah, the rich think of orphanages as cheerful, happy, singing orphans, you know, like we get in musicals. Mm-hmm. And she's really like, what it, what these places really are like. Are you thinking about my hard knockers life joke from yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can you, yeah. can you provide more context, please? Um, yeah, uh, we were at Disney and Emily spun around too fast as she elbowed me in the boob and she goes, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, you know how it is. It's hard knockers life for us. <laughs> oh, Incredible. Yes, yes. So um, oftentimes it's not just babies who magically have no parents who go to an orphanage and are raised in a loving home. But that Lyft brings up that there are kids here who were born different or, you know, were wounded like this kid and its parents just can't deal with them. And so as as angry and as off-putting as the stump this woman seems to be, she is really struggling to take care of the kids that a lot of people don't want to. And one of the reasons why Stump is so angry is she's taking in these cases that people think are are hopeless because of, you know, physical injuries. Um, And then after a few weeks with her, the kids are fine. And she's like, they are faking. They are faking to take advantage of me. And what has she really been doing? She has really been healing them, unbeknownst to her. Um, And I, I found this thread of the story... Just so fascinating because, uh, you know, Lich is kind of going around town and she's being told like, "Ooh, there's something going on with this orphanage. And, you know, obviously my mind went to the initial like, oh, she's, you know, she's either selling the kids for a profit or she's doing something or they bring up there. She's money laundering because she will exchange. Uh, she will. She's losing money in the way that she's exchanging her spheres, trying to get the infused ones. Um, and. And I, what I really loved is like automatically I'm like, oh yeah, she's terrible. Lyft sees that she's terrible. Therefore, it's so easy for me to believe that she is running a scam or she is doing something to hurt the kids or whatever. It was a great bit of misdirection from Brandon Sanderson because we do eventually find out she's healing the kids. It's because uh, turns out the woman is the missing radiant that they are trying to find. I, I thought this, I just thought it was great and I was you know, a little ashamed of myself where I'm just like, oh yeah, obviously it's this terrible, ugly woman. She's the bad guy. No, she's the actually like someone who's going to make a difference in the world. There was another piece of characterization that about her that I really liked that like, I don't remember if it was Wendell who suggested this or someone else in the city, but Lyft was like, uh, like, but why does she have to be so mean? And Wendell or whoever says like, well, you know, maybe if she were nicer, then like more people would come and she wouldn't be able to help them all. And I thought that that was such mm-hmm. 
sad and very real feeling um, mm-hmm. uh, description of somebody who is helping but does not have nearly the resources needed to like help at the level of the whole you know community the capacity mm. Teravangian asked for capacity mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> uh, so it's not Wendell that brought that up that is the other strange person that Lyft meets oh, at the orphanage philosopher bug oh. now when he showed up Emily Emily looks up and she goes is this guy wit and I was like what guy she's like the guy in black and I'm like I need a little more than that. And then so Emily says, is this wit? Is this a herald? Who is this? Mm-hmm. And we eventually find out it is something you had no way of no knowing. Clue. It was it was very Magnus archives <laughs> <laughs> But it's a the, the person that's talking to Lyft at the orphanage. And, you know, he's explaining he's trying to come up with a new philosophy and what, you know, what part of the body would you consider yourself to be and all of these things. It's. A person made out of Kremlins. Like, um, so darkness is darkness comes in. I know we're kind of jumping all over here, but um, is that upside? Oh, no, that's no, a seven. It's a seven. Sorry. I, I also thought two. it was an upside down, too. Um, darkness has come to the city um, with three of his followers, and they are looking for the next Radiant. Uh, Lyft kind of does some some mental acrobatics and is like, oh, it's the old guy that I've been talking to. He must not know. He's the one that's been healing the kids. I have to go and warn him and blah, blah, blah. And she she gets there as fast as she can. She has to run there because she's not used to all of her powers. And she keeps thinking, I should be better at this. I, I've got to be better at this. Um, because her not being able to control her powers is hurting her. A yes. quick interjection. At the very beginning of Edge Dancer, she's trying to only use her feet to glide mm-hmm. because of something that Nail said. That's right. And that she, you know, before she'd just be on her hands and knees and like galloping around that way. And so she is trying to change, mm-hmm. even though her deepest wish is, I wish I never changed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, yeah. back to you. But when she gets there, it's this very dark alley and she finds what she thinks is this beggar's body, only it's eventually revealed that it's the two... It's the two of the, you know, trainees and this man is lying there. I mean, this is, this is like, what? this is so gross because he's laying there with holes and he doesn't have eyes and he's missing his legs. And then you realize they're slowly growing back because all the Kremlins are coming back together and like rebuilding him. You're joking. <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> so gross. Has a nightmare before Christmas reference. Oh, I haven't. I've seen that one time. Oh, Oogie Boogie's completely made of bugs. Got it. Got there it. you go. They are Contact. basically Oogie Boogie's. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it was so funny because, you know, there's the reveal that he's made out of, you know, all these Kremlins. Bats aren't bugs! <laughs> <laughs> and there's a moment at the beginning of the book where she mentions the weird Kremlins that she's been seeing in the city. And it's well known that, you know, there's... I just... Ugh. Brandon, you make me very angry. You make me very angry... <laughs> Because this is just beautiful. It's beautifully well foreshadowed, well done. So <sighs> I have a question. <laughs> what, uh, in terms of like broader connection to the Stormlight Archives, was there stuff that uh, Philosopher Bug was saying that uh, made you make connections to to other things? For me, 
because the first time I read it, I didn't know he was a philosopher bug until the end. And so the second time I read it, when he's saying, what part of the body do you consider yourself to be? I'm like, because he's made up of a bunch of different specialized bugs. And And uh, Emily, the kind of being that he is will be talked about more in the future. So you'll get a little bit more detail about how these work. Okay. Um, But I thought it was very interesting where he's like, I am coming up with a grand philosophy, unifying grand theory of philosophy. And I feel that it will change the whole world. Because my my thought was, I mean, initially I thought it was wit, you know, just hiding around and and popping up at opportune places. Um, But talking about the philosophy overall about how like everything has to fit together to work, I thought about the overall Cosmere and how... um, I'm, I'm still trying to put together what's going on with Wit and whoever he's writing letters to. And we've got Odium and we've got all of this stuff and, and how I think we've learned that some worlds have already fallen or they're trying to keep that from happening. Because like I feel like if you take out too many pieces of a body, there's going to be a total collapse. Like death is imminent. Imminent. And so I don't know if that's what Brandon was going for here with like this this bug guy saying like, you know, if we lose too many pieces, everything's going to change. Like, the the Cosmere will collapse. All right. I'm going to help you out because you're very close to something. And, and these are the pieces that we've learned so far. This is in the letter from Hoyd to whomever he was writing his letter to. Uh, know that Aona and Skye are dead. And that which they held has been splintered. And I'm going to tell you now, though, they were shards Mm -hmm. and they had names. That was Dominion and Devotion. Okay. And they were on Cell, which is Elantris world, which Mm -hmm. you have read. Yeah. So the Aeons are basically like the the magic things that you can know. The Aeons are like the little talking glowing symbols Mm -hmm. that Sereni had, you know, a little glowing buddy that could talk. Yeah. Uh, Those are kind of similar to what the Spren are on Roshar, not perfectly, but along the same lines, based off of the power that was splintered there. So, of... Would you like to get hazard a guess as to how many shards there are? 16. Yeah. (laughs) So, of the 16 shards, we, we know that Honor... Dominion, devotion, ruin, and preservation are now off the board. Mm-hmm. However, ruin and preservation, their powers ended up getting combined into something called harmony. Mm-hmm. So shards can be combined into something new. Okay. It's like Steven Universe. Yeah. Okay. It 100% <laughs> is. Uh, listeners, tune in in like five years when Emily and I do all of Steven Universe. Amazing. It's after, it's my pick, and it's after, oh, it's actually after we finish the fifth book of this, as we're rating for books uh, five and, between books five and six, mm-hmm. we'll be doing Steven Universe. Ah, delightful. Because, do you know what? Yeah. Shattered, splintered, the diamonds. There's some I similar think it's stuff very much, on. yeah. <laughs> okay, so before we leave uh, Mr. Mr. Bug ideas. Um, uh-huh. Okay, actually two things. One is that it's I really like that his he says something to lift like well, like why did the city create you or like why did you get so it's it's like a very non-human non-individualistic way to like think about mm-hmm. what's going on which kind of makes sense for an entity that's composed of a swarm. I thought that was a really cool like mm-hmm. non-human way of thinking. But he says to lift 
you know, Lyft, you're sort of like, you know, no one's really paying attention to you, and I think that's a mistake. But then he lists, some, he makes vague references to some other people. Did those oh, references oh, sound familiar yes. or remind you of anything? Yes, I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up. Brought up someone I love personally. Oh no, yours is different. Just real fast. You know he mentioned someone by name. Who was it? No, he didn't. Yeah. Old. White hair. No, she says that. Okay, yeah. She mentions white hair. He says axes at some point. Oh yeah, he he mentions axes. He does. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Two to one. I win. I've spoken with Arclo. Is that Axes the Collector? How no, am I he so- says Axes. In a couple paragraphs later, he mentions Axes. Arclo is oh, there is we go. Presumably, <laughs> this guy. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, so he refers to himself as okay. So philosopher Bug refers to himself as a s- sleepless, mm-hmm. and says Lyft. If you ever encounter a number another sleepless, tell them you've spoken with Arclo. That's his. That's the name for his uh, colony. His being. Uh, and then he knows old axes. Mm-hmm. And then Lyft is the one who mentions Wit. Yes. Because what happened to Wit? Wit jumped in a great clause maw. Which in the words of Radiance epigraph, when Wit's talking to Yasna and Yasna says, tell me what you know. And then Wit says, I once spent the better part of a year being digested. What? That's something I know. <laughs> that is That's that so story. fun. That's got to be, I, I I would think, okay, so Brandon has proven himself as a capable writer. I mean, over and over and over and over. And exceptional so, writer. Exceptional like the writer. number of words to page. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's so fun that he gets to throw these little things out there, but it's also got to be probably really frustrating to not be able to like, okay, so that, that happened off page, but it was really, really cool. But like, there's nowhere for me to put it. Like to have like all these worlds in his head and to keep everything straight. Wow. It's amazing. Um, okay. Here's Ted. I'm so glad you brought this up because this was something I wanted to talk about. Um, let's see. So the the thing, that's what, you know, we're calling. Arclo. Arclo. Uh, we watch the others, the assassin, the surgeon, the liar, the high prince. Okay. So obviously the assassin is Zeth. Because killing is wrong and bad. I wasn't arguing. Sorry, that was a different <laughs> argument we had this morning. So, okay. Same so, old one. Let me let me talk. Let me talk. So we've got the assassin. But if he's watching them, are, is he saying these are the radiance we're watching? Because Zeth technically isn't a radiance. Yeah, Zeth technically is not a radiant. He had an honor blade. He didn't have a spread. So they're just watching him. Why? Person of interest? Person of interest. I'll take that. The surgeon. Okay. I'm assuming that's Kaladin, but I wonder if it could also be his dad. Could also or be a his surgeon dad. we've never met before. Sorry, I'm going off on on conspiracy theory time. I Ted. like it though. <laughs> the liar. I don't know who the liar is unless it's wit. I would categorize Shalon as the liar. Ooh. Because of how Pattern sees her. Mm-hmm. But he he calls her her self-deception a lie. And he's mm-hmm. like, you're going to learn the power of lies. And we wouldn't classify... Like, we think of Shalana, we think of her as the scholar, the girl character. <laughs> uh, you know, Shalon Debar, the, the radiant, the light weaver. And 
Like, what part of someone's personality do you categorize them as when you think of them? So, like, I think of Kaladin, and I think the captain of Bridge Four, Captain Kaladin. Mm-hmm. But somebody else looks at him and thinks the dark eyes, and someone else looks at him and thinks the surgeon. And so, like, different pieces. The storm blessed. Yeah. And so, again, from the point of view of someone who is a colony, like uh, this dude, Arklo, which piece is the most important? Which piece is the you part? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, sorry. The liar. Who's the next? Liar, the high prince. Um, so I'm assuming that's Dalinar. Well, hey, while we're here, let's talk about how the Azish see Dalinar. Oh, yes. They see him. They say the de facto king, the most powerful war prince or high lord. Warlord. Warlord. Most in powerful the land. warlord in the world. And we were chatting about this off the podcast. We should have saved it. Um, we should have just like, <laughs> read in silence. Don't say anything. <laughs> but um, the idea that Dalinar does not want to be seen as the king at all. Like he's trying to bring Elokar into that role. Like that's been his whole spiel. But yet the world sees him. Like he has created this for himself. Like just by virtue of being who he is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I find it hilarious that he is trying so hard to be like, no, I'm not in charge. No, it's this talk to the king when really he's the one that's making a lot of the decisions. He's the one that is running everything and is supposed to be delegating everything. And I just find it so funny that as hard as he's trying to be not this thing, that's just what the world sees him as. Like, how are you supposed to change that? How are you supposed to tell the world that's not who I am. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs to do what I say because I'm always right. But it's not because I'm k- king. My nephew's definitely king. Yeah, it's because I was called on by the corpse of God. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like, especially later when she has her research buddies and they're talking about news and stuff, I feel like the overall vibe that they get of like, oh, yeah, the Alethi have suddenly started telling us all of this stuff about like an evil storm like super directly, but it seems really out of character and like we're not sure how much we should trust it. Like it, yeah. it just seems like a totally natural response, like mm-hmm. given yeah. what mm-hmm. we know. Not, not only that we shouldn't trust it, but they're like, because they know so much, did they start it? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because the Alethi, especially Dalinar, has spent what, the better past of twenty years mm-hmm. conquering other Nations. Kingdoms, nations. Yeah. Maybe this is just a new way for them to do that. I'm is what I'm thinking is going through all these other nations' heads, sort of a thing. Like, it's hard to change. It's hard to change it yourself individually, and it's hard to change other people's perceptions of you. And Dalinar has a long way to go if that's what he really wants. Good luck in Oathbringer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only there was a way. That we could learn more about why people see Dalinar the way that they do. Who can say? I want to stop. Who can say? After we finish this, now that you finally read Edge Dancer, <laughs> the weeks of me pestering you. So, so Emily, um, have we have we seen the sleepless before? Do you remember? Ooh, any I any other oh. ring any other bells? I just, I'll just, I just want to read something, which is I have here my copy of The Way of Kings. Okay. Um, and I'm going to read the back. 
Okay. I long for the days before the last desolation, before the heralds abandoned us and the knights radiant turned against us, when there was still magic in Roshar and honor in the hearts of men. In the end, not war, but victory proved the greater test. Did our foes see that the harder they fought, the fiercer our resistance? Fire and hammer forge a sword. Time and neglect rusted away. So we won the world, yet lost it. Now there are four whom we watch. The surgeon forced to forsake healing and fight in the most brutal war of our time. The assassin who weeps as he kills. The liar who wears her scholar's mantle over a thief's heart. And the prince whose eyes open to the ancient past as his thirst for battle wanes. One of them may redeem us. One of them will destroy us. <gasps> hey, Ted, do you have your copy of Words of, uh, Words of Radiance? I do. I have it right here. <laughs> Ted, will you read us the back to your copy of Words I of Radiance? I would love to. The Knights Radiant must stand again. The ancient oaths have at last been spoken. The spread return. Men seek what was lost. I fear the quest will destroy them. It is the nature of the magic. A broken soul has cracks into which something else can be fit. Surge bindings, the power of creation themselves. They can brace a broken soul, but they can also widen its fissures. The Windrunner is lost in a shattered land, balanced upon the boundary between vengeance and honor. The Lightweaver, slowly being consumed by her past, searches for the lie that she must become. The Bondsmith, born in blood and death, now strives to rebuild what was destroyed. The explorer, straddling the fates of two peoples, is forced to choose between slow death and a terrible betrayal of all she believes. It is past time for them to awaken, for the Everstorm looms, and the assassin has arrived. If I was someone who had never read those books, uh-huh. that sounds like absolute gobbledygook. I don't <laughs> so know true. what this book is about, I just... and it's because... This is not a book summary summation that the publishers have put together. This is observations from, I believe, Sleepless on Roshar. It's just the most Brandon Sanderson thing of all time to have the the fantasy blurb on the back of the book be like an unsighted in-universe quote, like the epigraph. It's just so funny. It's so funny to me. It's funny because I, I think after we'd finished Words of Radiance, I then went back and, and read that thing. And I kind of had the same thought of just like, who authorized this as the blurb? Like, <laughs> that, does, that means nothing. <laughs> Literally, Brandon, author, I <laughs> So do me a favor. Okay. Don't read the Oathbringer blurb until we're done. Yeah, I, I, I won't. That's because usually, they call, yeah. yeah, they call Dalinar a bondsmith on the back of the Words of Radiance cover before, like, and he bonds the Stormfather like the very last, like the last five yeah. pages. Yeah, I think unproven. I think the reason people know the name Kaladin Stormblessed is because sleepers whisper it to people and they mention it to people. And that's how how the name has followed Kaladin because he's been watched so long by these sleepers. (gasps) This is so exciting. Okay. I have to sit here and like let everything slot into place now where I'm just like, you think you're just reading about Kaladin and his like, his quest for vengeance or, or, you know, I don't know something, and then you yeah, add a few other. Then you add a few other characters and a few other characters, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, God is dead. No, actually, 
sort of and then you have all these you have odium and you have all like it just builds and builds and it's so cool and this is why it's impossible to tell people what this book is about when they're like should i read it and all you can say is yes and then that's it like you can't like it's hard to tell people what it's about so i force emily to read it so i didn't have to do this but generally how i get people into the book is i tell them about the assassination and the war and then I say, and the main character is someone at the top of the war, someone at the bottom of the war, and a girl hundreds of miles away mm-hmm. who's, you know, working on something else. And, like, it's expanded a little bit. But I, I have, like, a little, you know, three to four minute song and dance to get people interested in the characters in the war. And then by the time they read Edge Dancer, I'm like, so listen. <laughs> there are three realms. <laughs> oh, you've got to tell them about... Mom. <gasps> okay, so our parents are reading the books for the first time. Uh, please, an and, update. I'm so excited. And yeah, as as we do our, our weekly calls, sometimes my mom will ask me questions. And so the latest update is, I just feel so bad for that poor boy who was forced to kill the king in the first chapter. Do we find out what happened to him? <laughs> is he okay? And, that's and I'm just like, it's my curse that everyone thinks poor Seth is a little wooby baby <laughs> who never is. had a chance. He's 38 years old. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot to overcome. He has a lot of internal thought processes to reroute. Anyway, Emily said he had no choice but to murder all those people because of his upbringing. And I'm like... There's always, you could always say no. He didn't know that, though, again. <laughs> that wasn't an option for him. Watch out, you guys. If someone tells Emily to kill you, she may listen to that. <laughs> I'd do it to you. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, my mother's other questions were, can anyone pick up the swords that were left behind by the heralds at the beginning? How is Seth, oh, Seth, as she calls him, how is Seth still enslaved if he has a shard blade? How, why would he not fight his way free? Yeah. Because he's enslaved. Because <laughs> he's got You're also right. Right. He about has this. no imagination. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and she feels that Tom is going to come back as a villain because he was abandoned in this horrible place by everyone else. And then she also, she's just getting to part two. So Wit is her number one suspect as to who cut the king's saddle strap. And she believes Wit is a big time villain. And he reminds her of Q from Star Trek. Very well observed. I think, yeah. I think those are all good theories. So yeah. So because we brought up Zeth. Uh-huh. Can we go and talk about him? I want to say yes, but just before we do, uh-huh. I want to talk about Nail in the Marketplace. Okay, yes, yes. This leads <gasps> into Zeth. Oh, this is the worst part. It really is. Where it was technically legal what he did. Yeah. Uh, this girl steals a basket of fruit. Nail stops her. She takes out a little tiny knife, and then he takes out a shard blade stabs her to death in front of everyone in the marketplace and then makes the merchant write down, okay, now what did you see? Fill out the paperwork here, here, here. I was in my legal rights to do this. Yeah. And wow, 
it is it is shocking Mm -hmm. and the thing is like the people around them are too stunned to do anything to stop it but afterwards it talks about like anger sprint or just like boiling out of the ground and like everyone clearly sees that this was wrong even though technically he was within his rights i mean on the barest technicality you know and not only that but uh the the man from whom she stole was like why didn't you just like you didn't have to kill her you could have just cut off her hand because you know he had a shard blade Mm -hmm. and then nail says yes but there wouldn't have been provisions in your society for her to contribute and she would have been a thief and stolen more anyway so it's better that i killed her than let more crime happen in the future what's was so interesting to me about that is like reading it i you know any real person saying that right to me i'm like well you're doing it because you're a sadist and this is your like you're reasoning backwards right to to mm-hmm. get to something mm-hmm. plausible to say but like because he is inspector javert and he's like the god of law or like whatever whatever he is and he's so crazy in this one particular way the thing that stood out to me about that was he was like it, it wasn't that he's doing it because you know like he wants to at the end of the day but he said something like oh yeah you know i tried using discretion and in my opinion it was worse so now because your law says you can execute this person i will it's simpler (laughs) it's like it's such a it's such a dark i don't know it's just very it's very uh dark-sided like following the rules uh lawful lawful evil Lawful evil well, I f- all the way. I feel like the way he sees it is I am following the rules. Therefore, my world is so much bigger. Like I have so much more understanding of the world when really it just like shrinks everything down into such a small viewpoint that that you don't have the capacity to think outside the box. You don't have the capacity to be flexible, to, you know, be creative or anything like that. And yet... I agree with you completely. This was like the worst part of the book where you don't even think about like, well, she had so much potential. Like she could have, who knew what she was going to become? Yeah, she's a thief now, but was she going to be a thief forever? Like you didn't just kill her. You killed all the possibilities and all the future routes that she could have taken, you know? And, oh, oh, it just, I mean, obviously it made me very, very angry. And I think that's one of the reasons this guy... I was telling Megan, I really loved the ending to this. I love Mm. endings where people who have had such a small worldview, I don't care if it's like the mayor who's like, there's no reason for us to tell people there's a shark out there. Like, we're okay to like, oh, yes, that really is a problem sort of a thing. I I loved, and we'll kind of lead into the ending, but I loved this ending. I loved Naylan's worldview being broken where he's like, oh, bleep. And... It's so, like, I guess I'll just say we, we'll talk a little bit about, or, or I'm sure we'll talk more about the ending, but, like, unlike characters who, uh, like Inspector Javert, uh, so I guess spoilers for the Broadway musical and Victor Hugo novel, but, like, so these <laughs> characters who are, like, so stiff, and almost like Seth was, right? Like, they'll break before they bend type of thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. Javert kills himself because... Jean Valjean is just too good of a dude to exist inside his limited worldview. And it is 
super interesting to me that Brandon, as always, like kind of believes in this sort of like fundamental humanity of people, even his villains, that he like yeah. will change, right? Like he mm-hmm. has he has a he doesn't just double down and like execute lift and like stay in denial. He's like Oh man, I'm gonna have to do some thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, the idea the idea that to me that's way more self satisfying than a villain. Like it's it's yeah. the idea of a villain not changing is scary. Now I have things to say about it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry, I keep leaving. No, you're good. Um the idea of a villain not changing is like terrifying because it just means like no matter what you do, no matter what you bring to the table you're never going to be able to overcome this villain because their worldview is never going to change. And the idea that there is, I'm going to call him a villain, um, his was able to change. I don't think that makes him less scary. I think that makes him unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen next. Right. We don't know how he's going to react. And I'm just, oof, I love it. It's so much more interesting than a like force of evil or something. Like I'm a big fan of like scary movies and stuff, but I feel like it's always way more scary if you have an antagonist who is someone who's like following their own set of rules and can sort of like change and be unpredictable. And if like the villain is sort of like a demon from hell who's possessing people and is evil because it's fun to be evil, it's like not as, uh, it's not as interesting. It's not as like interesting to think about and kind of like be in suspense about. Don't you want to be evil like me? Don't you want to be mean? Um, uh, so I want to talk about Javert, Nail, and the people in the story about the dead emperor. Okay. So Javert mm-hmm. finds out I was wrong in my worldview, which means I was wrong about many, many things. And he kills himself because he can't, he can't stand to look at this. And Zeth has just found out his whole worldview was wrong and everything he did was wrong and he didn't have to do any of it. And 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 he's at a, a choosing point where, where do I go from here now that I know that, that mm-hmm. I'm wrong? And Nail has a moment like this at the end, which I want to save and I want to I want to get to. Um, but I love how all three of us have said that. We'll get to we'll that. Get to but because <laughs> we, we want to save the ending for you know biggest best for last. Because uh, I think next we were going to talk about Zet. So this is me transitioning us into Zet. But it's that story of the people who did what their emperor told them to, not because they thought it was right, but because they had an excuse because it was legal to do this mm. because it was expected by their ruler that they should do this. And when they found out that the law never bound them, everyone freaks out about it. Mm-hmm. And the the island burns down and the purge is happening all the time. And it's very much what Nalen was doing where he's like, listen, in the long run over the umbrella of humanity, completely taking out people like this, normies, normal people, um, is better for the whole. And... It's it, it and it goes back to the the sleepless guy where he's like, yeah, we can lose a little kremling or two. We can make more kremlings and like, mm. at what point do you do things for the good of all society? What point do you do things for the good of the individual? Yes. Are kremlings even native to this world, or are they all list sleepers? Kremlings are native to this world. I. I will let you know sleepers are not. Okay. 
and they will specifically breed their hordes to be similar to the fauna on a planet. Okay, okay. Right, so not every Kremlin on yeah. Roshar is a sleepless. Not but all Kremlins. Do you want to hear something... I was just going to say, if somebody like Lyft in this book is ever like, that's a weird looking Kremlin, I don't know. Who can say? <laughs> the very first sleepless that came to Roshar was made of spiders. Ah, no, stop. Oh Blah. my God. That's so gross. I, I did not Blah. know that and I regret knowing it. Uh, back to the Magnus archives. Uh, there's there's a scene where someone who has uh, sway over spiders has... Dilly, don't listen to this. Spoilers for the Magnus archives. Um, has captured someone and they're like, what are you going to do with me? And she's like, well, my original plan was to kill you fill you full of spiders and send the corpse back to the person you're in love with in an effort to mentally destroy them. But I don't think that'll work anymore, so I won't. And this character's like, okay, good. <laughs> when are you guys going to do uh, Shadows for Silence? Is that on the roadmap at all? Or is that It's too on extended? the roadmap. We're, okay. we're going to do a lot of the rest of Ars Arcanum between... Oathbringer and Rhythm of War. Delightful. Because that's just like the most overtly Brandon Sanderson does horror. So that's one of my faves. <laughs> yeah. Book's called I don't think there are spiders in, the in it. But of hell. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. What world does it take place on? Thren- Threnody? That sounds Back? right. Back me up. Yeah, probably Threnody. Which one is that one? You haven't read well, it I haven't yet. Read it's that just one. that short stories on it. All right. Wait, no. Sixth of the Desk is Threnody. No. We're sixth of the, the sixth of the sixth place. Just look in the book. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't six of the dust? That that system is weird, right? Yeah. I mean, they're all all the ones that are interesting are weird, but. Okay, Taldane is white sand. Threnody is shadows for silence. Yeah. The forest of hell, and then the Dromian is sixth of the dust. Never would have conjured the word Dromian. <laughs> nor that. nor would I. What a lovely signed copy. Look, it's the Cosmere. <clears throat> it's the Cosmere. Just constellations. I like it. Hey, Ted, I have a question. You yeah. might... Oh, never mind. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you might know it's such and such, but no, look, here's the scar. Here's a bunch of red stars in the sky. Yeah. I was sort of hoping that Tom's scar would be the other planets in the Rosharan system. Uh, the Rosharan system no, but it's has a... a t- on a planets in it it comes up but in like, i think the latest mistborn book i mean it's in i think the the red the red stars are visible from all across the cosmere i think I'm, yeah okay i don't after i don't know they, that we know what they mean after they spoilers clean all the ash out of the sky on scatriel you can probably see <laughs> them. spoilers yeah okay okay so let's talk about our boy Seth. our favorite boy yes Yes, the boy, D- that ten. poor, that poor boy. Our poor favorite boy, boy, Nightblood. I don't care about Seth. No, let's talk about <laughs> Nightblood too. <laughs> so, uh, Nail has two. I should have known. <laughs> Nail has two journeyman skybreakers with him. They have uniforms, mm-hmm. and then he's also carting around Zeth because oh. I wanted to bring this up earlier. Emily, do you remember how fast a normal high storm travels across Roshar? Isn't it like a day? A week? A day. Okay. 
The Everstorm moves much more slowly. Okay. The Everstorm right. is always storming. It's in the name. Okay. But it travels slowly, consistently around the whole planet. So, like, it started in... I'll get Shinovar. to the map. Uh, oh, that no. other island place. Yeah. Yeah. It, it started on the Shattered Plains because that's where they summoned it. Oh, technically, you're right. <clears throat> yeah. That makes sense. And so that this is, this book doesn't have a map. <laughs> it started on the Shattered Plains because that's where they summoned it. And then it went around and it hit Shinovar next. And it's been moving this way, you know, slowly since. So, um, and so Zeth uh, went down during the final fight of Words of Radiance. Mm-hmm. And Nail picked him up. And Nailin is like, hey, we're hunting somebody into Sheik. And so Nail, Zeth, they've picked up a couple more of these Skybreaker journeymen. They're into Sheik. And then the storm is coming for them during... Edge Dancer. They're trying to get everybody inside and safe to shelter. And that's why the weather's been so weird is this giant storm is wrecking the whole system. And not only is it weird because of the other storm, but the Stormfather summoned an unplanned high storm as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the weather's just whack. So are they going to meet in the middle? Uh, If, you know, if there's ever a high storm day during a time when the Everstorm's out, yeah. All right. And it sucks. It's going to be bad. People die. Okay, people die from lightning a lot, they've said. That's not something you generally worry about within a high storm. It's the winds. Mm. But the Everstorm <laughs> strikes like lightning. Lightning, lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to back to Zeth. So this is between the time that the Everstorm starts and the Everstorm hits here. So it's had to go around the, the back side mm-hmm. of the world. And so I, <laughs> so here's what I find interesting. Is that you have these two, you've got these two additional baby radiants, I guess that's what we're going to call them. Because they're journeymen. They're journeymen. They don't have a spren yet. You know, they're they're in training. I don't know if he saw potential in them or if he is just saying like anyone can become this if you follow the rules. What? Uh, that he's like, I don't care what's in your heart. I don't care what's in your mind. Nalen says, you, it's better that you choose a path and you follow it. So I think these are people mm-hmm. who have just volunteered and said, hey, I'll do that. Because they seem to be very yes men. Um, yes. You know, whatever he, they, whatever Nayland wants them to do, they're like, I'll do it. I'll do it better than this other person. And Nayland's like, it's not a competition. I'm trying to see if you're competent. Like he wants them to work together, which I liked because a lot of times you get like the lackeys trying to outdo each other and trying to win. And the idea that, Nalen is trying to create just a competent force that's almost scarier than, you know, anything else. Um, so they're like jumping to be like, I'll do it. I'll go find this Radiant. I'll go do all this stuff. And you've got Zeth sitting on the floor in a corner. I imagine holding Nightblood, like just holding him. Uh, what's his hair? What's his hair doing right it's now? It's growing back. It's growing back. Uh, ear it is confirmed Zeth is not bald he shaves his head shaves his head I like to imagine he used to do it with his shard blade (laughs) (laughs) um but he I'm proud of Zeth that he's not he he didn't immediately make the exact same mistake he had with the oath stone and like become Nail's yes man because like Nail seems Mm -hmm. despite being overtly evil he does seem fairly charismatic if you're Mm -hmm. into that kind of 
you know, Inspector Javert figure, right? So, like, mm -hmm. I'm proud of Seth that he's taking some time for himself, you know? That poor boy. <laughs> he's 12 years older than Kaladin. <laughs> That's not anywhere near the math it should be. He's, he's 19 years older than Kaladin. He's twice he's Kaladin's age. Kaladin he's, he's a whole Kaladin older than He's a whole Kaladin older but I like that. And that's in Rosharan years. He's in his 40s in Earth years. Okay. He's not a baby. I didn't say he was. You said he was your baby boy. No, when did I say that? I'm sure you've said it before. Anyway, I admire Zeth. Not for his murders before. I feel like if you say you admire someone... And then immediately have to clarify that it's not for not the murder. Not for all the murder. But that he felt bad about killing people. Sorry. Listeners. Classic disclaimer. How I feel about Zeth is a bit to rile up Emily. I thought you were going to say our classic disclaimer of murder is wrong. Oh, yeah. Murder is wrong. And that's it. Uh, I also like um, Seth. I'm not, I'm a, yeah, he's not a movie yeah. for me, but. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say okay. before you, before that is, um, you were saying he's not a yes man, Ted, um, which is, which is true because he, he says they're back. The void bringers are already back. And, um, he's listening. He's like, I saw them. I saw the red eyes. And he tells Nalen flat out, you're wrong because we find out Nalen is trying to get rid of all the radiance so that the desolations don't return and that's like his goal and i'm like good goal bad timing they're already back and it was and interesting says, no they're not yeah nalan is just like they're not and and in the book also lift observes that nalan doesn't seem to be offended that he is being challenged on this he's just so convinced in his like being correct like there's there's no possibility in his mind to allow even the thought of what if they were back. It's just like they're not. And so in his world views, because he can't imagine that it's happened, it will never happen. Yeah, I've done my job. I've done what Honor charged. Oh, yeah. Honor himself charged Nail to do this. Mm -hmm. And Ishar is like, do this. And and when, when Nail is like, they're not, uh, sorry, Zeth is like, they're back, and Nail says, I contacted Ishar, and he told me they aren't. Yeah. See, I thought that was so interesting because he's, it's such a, it's such a, uh, I feel like Nail's ideology doesn't excuse him from, like, a trust but verify thing. So he's putting a mm -hmm. lot of faith in this, like, Ishar told me, you know, mm -hmm. maybe he could, like, double check. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I also wonder how long ago Ishar told them. Like, if right. they're the radi if they're the heralds and they've been around forever, I feel like if he checked with Ishar twenty years ago, mm -hmm. I, no? it was it was so recent because oh. people are like, "Hey, out on the shattered plains, the Everstorm has changed the Parshendi. Dalinar has been telling everybody over over Spanreed, this is what's happening. This is the storm that's coming. Right. Come hang out in your Ethereum. <laughs> and everyone's like." Okay, what is this weird play by the Alethi? So, uh, Nail contacted Ishar and was like, "Is this true?" And Ishar says, "No, it was a, it was a, just a group of Parshendi that had kept this form from before, that like still had their old forms. Mm. You know, it happens sometimes. You find pockets of listeners who still have the old so forms. They didn't change. 
They're Is not there back. any evidence that that's ever happened other than this? Like, that that was shocking to me on a reread of, like, there were storm forms hanging out this whole time and, like, Nail's been hunting them down through the years. I mean, certainly not in a recent timeline, right? Mm-hmm. Something to keep an eye out on that that is a big question for Oathbringer. How did Venley find all this out? How did Venley know? Right. And how oh, did right, Venley right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Eyes open. Eyes open. Rafo. Yeah, yeah, Heads yeah. up. So, the Zeth and Lift conversation is great because when she's sneaking up trying to watch them, she's learning to wait, she's learning to listen. Mm-hmm. There's this scene where he just rolls a sphere down the hallway towards her. Because she knows that she can't use her powers or else she'll glow. Mm-hmm. And he rolls, rolls a sphere towards her. And the fear spreads start bubbling up around her so badly that they're illuminated by the sphere as it comes. And now here's something interesting. Spren are not affected by our world lighting. They, they have their own glow. They have their own light sources. But I believe... That since Lyft is a part, like Lyft is partially in the cognitive realm, that she sees Spren more really and more solidly than other people do. And also, I think if you held a torch near them, a natural light source wouldn't do anything. But maybe the stormlight, because it's investiture, interacts with Spren forms. That's cool. So those are a couple explanations for that. Um, I was talking with my friend Marie about this, but I picture Fear Spren moving so much like the cursed demon worms from Princess Mononoke. Mm. The the stuff that's on Ashitaka's <gasps> arm and that like overtakes right. the boar and stuff. That's oh just, God. that's how I see fear spread. What color ah! are they? Are they purple? They are purple. Yeah. Oh, we, we spread much. New spread was spotted in this book. Laughter spread, the orphans. With the little fishies yeah. flying around the air. Yeah. This is so cute. Did we already have concentration spread? Were oh, those, I, don't, th- those, I don't think we did. What's the concentration spread? Those come up in the research place later, too. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I think Shalon has some, but I don't remember what they look like. What a concentration spread look like? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, write we in. Might, Tell us. You might come across them. So Lyft feels grossed out. Right after um, Seth Rose rolls the sphere... He also draws Nightblood a bit, and Lyft yes, has yeah. the same reaction that um, Vivenna and like the others, like that, like alleged good guys do to Nightblood, which is like feeling nauseous instead of feeling like <laughs> covetous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And so, like, what is our current best running theory of like how Nightblood chooses its victims or not? It's like, do you yeah. have a killer instinct, or like, what is the what is our well, thought there? We- didn't we talk about like what's evil on one world might not be evil on another world or something but i want to say we talked about the evil you had already done versus what you were going to do what you're capable what you're capable of because that like vavena had never done we i think in our warbreaker episode we talked about what is evil and we were saying hypothetically what if evil is violence and so the right, palace so, guards were strongly affected because they'd done violence in their lives, not necessarily saying that they're definitely evil. Right. Lyft has never killed someone. Viv mm-hmm. had never killed someone, you know, or like yeah. even, yeah, attacked someone. I was sad that we didn't get to hear Nightblood talk out mm-hmm. loud. 
I mean, uh, Zeth obviously is having conversations with with Nightblood, and and I was just like, it was so fun to see that. Um, it was so fun to see that cameo, and it was done. It was done great, you know. But at the same time, I'm like, bring Nightblood back. I I want I want more. <laughs> right, so. <laughs> <laughs> but because you, let's see. What was I gonna say? Something about something about night. Was it about Zeth uh, talking with Lift in the in the library? No, um, I I had thought at one point that maybe because when when Zeth had the honor guard, the honor blade, he had those powers that he had to suck a lot of stormlight into, and here Lift is talking about him having the different having the after image almost come across. I'm wondering if that if that isn't after effect of night blood but we've never seen anybody else have that but then we talked about like maybe uh lift has a different view of the world i don't know uh so something else to keep to think keep in mind (laughs) has recently died and Mm. uh nail used in the latest version of the book which we're following as canonical and correct Nail used some kind of Fabriel to put his soul back in his body. Mm-hmm. Maybe it didn't stick all the way. Mm, his soul's trying to get out. Or or it's just, you know, it needs to, to grow all the... What am I, try, what am I trying to stick think of? Stick his shadow back on with soap? Yeah. Okay, no, but like, like mm. that's it literally that like all the, the normal connections are back in. Because you know like... Um, Brain surgery, you know, brain surgery. Oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, the nervous system has, like, so many different pieces to it that, mm-hmm. like, it takes a lot to reconnect all the different parts of pieces. Yeah. So yeah. it's, like, soul plasticity is that, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make reconnections. Uh, uh, no, I got a question for Ted really okay. fast. So when you read this and, well, actually... Ugh, I don't know what I said. When you when Nightblood showed back up in the Words of Radiance. Words of Radiance and then again in here, like what were you thinking? What were you hoping? What do you remember what your reaction was? Were you no, just I mean I, I should have looked up exactly what I texted Meg when Nightblood reappeared. But like <laughs> I feel like Nightblood being given to Seth in uh Words of Radiance is just I couldn't imagine a more perfect match than Mm -hmm. these two. I didn't even know what word I can use to describe both of them because I feel like creatures is even too generous for for Nightblood. (laughs) But uh, these two things um, that have uh, believed themselves to have a a well-defined purpose in the world that turns out to be based on... Complete nonsense and lies. Both being able to like hang out together and both being like hanging out with Nail, who's like basically uh, the god version of the same kind of character crisis they're both facing. I I love it. I love it. I love it. Ooh, I love that. Oh, I like that. This like unholy trio sort of a thing. Yeah. And just like. Nightblood is so, it's so funny, I don't know, the idea of creating something that is supposed to destroy evil, but the thing doesn't know what evil is, is endlessly entertaining to me, and so I just want them to keep, (laughs) just keep going. I'm rooting for them to pull through. Yeah, keep doing their best. (laughs) Um, Hopefully not cause too much collateral damage now that, now that (laughs) Seth is taking some. Um, 
you know, rehab nice. time. Um, I'm I'm scrolling through our conversations trying sure. to find it. Does your phone have a search function? No, your text? Okay. I wish. Right now, I, you're we're you're reading Rhythm of War, so maybe I'll. Yeah, I, so I won't get to it for a that. while. If it comes up, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll look for it. And I don't want to spoil if there there may or may not be other good Seth and Nightblood moments coming up. Who can say? Probably not. Um, probably not. <laughs> Yeah, say. I don't think Brandon ever like really explores the cool ideas he introduces. He <laughs> seems like the guy to just stick stuff in that's not important. But again, it's so like I know you could read Stormlight Archive without reading the whole Cosmere, but it's like it's just so much better if you do. And also, yeah. I yeah. I personally deserve that Brandon Sanderson write the uh warbreaker sequel that he says is very unlikely to happen given his schedule you do we'll have to find out where vivenna and siri and everybody ended up though <clears throat> i know because I know. we've got vashers on roshar so maybe and Nightblood's show up. on roshar but he and, and nightblood last time broke we up saw... or something like it's so yeah sad. so he gave nightblood to vivenna now <clears throat> vashers immortal and vivenna's human so we don't know how long after mm. Warbreaker, this happens. Okay. So it, it could have been hundreds of years ago. It could have been Vasher and Vivetta hung out for a week and Vasher was like, I'm leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> hey, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> By she the end awesome. of the book. By the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, better. I love the idea of <clears throat> Zeth and Nightblood becoming friends. Like, I feel like, you know, they got paired up. Like, you pair up with a partner at school or whatever. But to find out that they have more in common than they think. And I think, Ted, you were the one that, that brought up the idea of, like, they're these these two, I don't want to say people, but, you know, these two things that have not had the same background but the same experiences, if that makes sense, of just, yeah. like, here, go and do this thing regardless of that's what you wanted to do. Like... Okay, this might be stupid, but when um, when Shalon is trying to convince the stick to be fire, and the stick is so self-assured of what it is, it is a stick. It will always be a stick. It will never change. And the idea of like someone going to this sword and saying, I want you to be this. Well, what if it didn't want to be that? What I if am it- a nightblood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to make a very topical analogy. I do, so I think... I sort of have anthropomorphized Nightblood because I wanted uh-huh. like, he and Seth are like they're friends. They're gonna like be able to like be group therapists and like talk it out and maybe both yes. emerge for the better, right? Like, but maybe Nightblood is more like one of those new generative AI chatbots, and he's just like a super super sophisticated simulation of a thinking and feeling thing. But there's no like there there, right? There's no kind of like soul or whatever and so like maybe like i sort of worry about in the real world like if seth just talks to this destroy evil machine that's kind of crazy like maybe maybe they will end up making their own neuroses worse like that could be a very bad (laughs) uh feedback loop i feel like it could go either way yeah the thing with generative ai right now it's a huge misnomer because it's not and artificial intelligence. We just call it that because it's that's the most similar fictional concept to what people are right. trying to do. And what it is are just these different libraries of huge ideas. And when you type anything into chat GPT or whatever, it puts things together based off of almost like a search engine type yeah, of Yeah, it's, it's just it gives you predicting a conglomeration the next word. Of, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it it's, gives you a conglomeration of its library. And the big problem with AI right now is its library, its data sets are all stolen from the internet. Did you hear about the Omegaverse discovery? Yes, I did. ChatGPT has been trained on a huge amount of fan fiction for its writing skills and style. And this was found out because ChatGPT knows about certain specific sexual acts in the Omegaverse <gasps> that... What a uh, fun discovery. <laughs> that the only way it could have known is sampling uh, huge amounts of Omegaverse fanfiction. That's so funny. But, like, I'm just imagining Nightblood, like, Seth is like, oh, my God, like, what okay. should I do? You know, the world is about to end and I have to choose. And then Nightblood is just like, you know, I am a, you know, artificially created you know, shard blade imitation meant to destroy evil. So I can't answer this question. You know, just sort of like, <laughs> oh, no, I can't. Do you want to destroy evil? I'll tell you yes. But like, oh, you know. Yeah. See, as a fake shard blade. I'm like, <laughs> now I'm like, Seth is like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and that was like, have you considered finding an alpha who can help you? <laughs> <laughs> who can tell you what to do? Okay, we're not I mean, talking about I'm that. Sure, ABO wait, Dynamics. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it would be really easy to go on AO3 and find the um, ABO Dynamics tag for Stormlight Archives. Cosmere, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, yeah, I agree. I'm just going to say, I bet. I bet you're right. So, Shalon listeners, Kaladin don't write in. And Adolin. It's got listeners, a- don't write in. We don't want to know. Don't tell us. <sighs> um, Seth Nightblood Nail. There's a lot of great yes. uh, OT3s. Oh, I want to talk about Lyft making the scribes do what she wants because she's friends with the Emperor. And Lyft struggling. Okay, so Edge Dancer is about Lyft just don't like a situation, you can just leave. Sorry, her Words of Radiance interlude is like, don't like a situation, you can just leave. And she's not a violence person either she doesn't fight her way out of any situations she runs and so one of the things that's so fun about edge dancer is all of the different new ways she has of making it through a a situation to to get her goal to get what she's after and one of them is like wendell coaching her through how to write on a span read a message to azir Mm -hmm. and then they respond back and all the scribes here and Yada are like okay <laughs> we'll help you and what do they have to call her now they have to call her pancakefulness which i think is so sweet like <laughs> it's 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 not malicious i love that how not malicious lift is where i feel like maybe someone would have like really gloated in that and maybe that is her way of gloating but She's just really there to help people and to do what she thinks mm-hmm. is right. And she's having fun along the way. And I think that's great. All right. Hey, should we talk about the final confrontation with Nail? Okay. That we promised we would. That we'd all talk about. Mm-hmm. So through Edge Dancer, Lyft has been listening. She has been remembering. She has been thinking about herself and her place in the world. And... Normally in a story, 
you've got things that the character learns come into the final fight as actual skills. My favorite example of this is the final fight in the first Kung Fu Panda movie between Poe and Tai Lung, where every mistake that Poe has made that leads to physical comedy throughout the rest of the show, he uses that against Tai Lung in the final fight. It's so good. Kung Fu Panda is so close to being an absolutely perfect movie. Maybe it is perfect. Um, But, you know, I don't want to (laughs) say. But it's not that Lyft has learned, you know, Lyft has learned a new radiant skill or Lyft knows how to do a last clap. But she emotionally appeals to nail. Mm -hmm. Emily, why do you think that works? I was about to say, I don't know why it works. Would you like to know why it works? Yes. So this is this is a bit of a overall Cosmere, what's happening with the Heralds. Mm-hmm. The Heralds have all been driven mad by eternity. That makes complete sense. And Nail is just completely lost in, this is my one goal. As long as I hold to this goal and do what Honor told me, I'll be fine. And he is just hanging on by a thread. When a Radiant progresses in their vows, when a Radiant speaks their words, heralds are granted a moment of clarity. Oh. So when Lyft speaks her third ideal during this fight, it puts Nail in a position where he can listen in a way that he hasn't been for the rest of the story. Okay. Is this a word of Brandon? Is this something we find out later? I think it's, it's like sort of words of Brandon because people are like, what's up with the heralds? What's wrong with them? So there was also a moment when it wasn't it wasn't speaking an ideal, but when Shalon was with Tong in the cell and she uses light weaving, mm-hmm. it brought him out of his re- repetition mm-hmm. for a bit. It brought him back to cognizance for yeah. a moment okay and, and and i'm not saying that you know lift healed nail she fixed him but the fact that she swore her ideal and she was with him in this moment that's what opened his heart enough for him to like listen to her and where we've seen his emotions just cut off and he's he's like i don't even feel guilt anymore i don't feel sorrow anymore but when lift makes her emotional appeal she says i can't defeat him i've got to change him and he weeps. He weeps in her arms. So if he has a moment of lucidity, I guess, but when that leaves, is he? does he remember what Ooh, they talked about? Okay. Rafa. Okay. Emily, did you read the, the epilogue? I assume you didn't because it sort of alludes to Oathbringer type stuff. Right. I, I had started reading and then it said something about lift and... It, or it had mentioned something about Oathbringer, so I closed it, and I was just nice. like, yeah. I better I better not, so. I guess, yeah, just the answer to your question that's not spoilery is part of the reason why Brandon wanted to include this story was so that the ways that Nail changes his behavior between Words of Radiance and Oathbringer are, like, because mm-hmm. of what happens here. So yeah, without saying was... what is different. He, this it's not like he's he, just gonna he go back different. to exactly the way he was and yeah. that's that's kind of what i was saying where like the idea that the villain can change like i'm not saying like i want everyone to be redeemed but i love the idea of even if a villain changes it doesn't mean that they're automatically 
yeah. on the good guy side. Maybe the villain mm-hmm. that they knew were they were easier to deal with than this new villain has new ideals and new ways of thinking and new rules for themselves. It's so, like it's still a fun way to like shake things up without losing your antagonist. I'm Emily, making, you're a witch. It, insane. I'm making I'm a witch smiley face. <laughs> I'm making a big smiley face about <laughs> villains that maybe become worse than different villains or maybe villains that become better. <laughs> Amazing. Well, type Amazing. it in the Emily is a Witch channel. Okay. But right. um, somebody in another Discord I was at says, it would be so boring if this particular one of the characters were redeemed because everyone gets redeemed and it's just boring. And I was like, first off, not everyone does. Sadius got stabbed through the face and never showed signs of changing or becoming better. And I named like a few other characters throughout the Cosmere that just like die instead of change. I never think... The potential of redemption is boring. Yeah. Now, sometimes the way they pull it off by like Ben Solo hallucinated his father and instantly turned to the light side. I'm like, no, no, no. Because it's about the time it takes, Mm -hmm. right? It's nail in the marketplace, killing a girl because... It's the friggin' journey. It's the... (laughs) (laughs) Emily was reading this book and she was talking about Zeth. And she's like, I know he's got so far to go on, you know, his jerk. <laughs> and then she just froze. And I was like, so it's about the journey before the destination. Incredible. Um, so Nail in the Marketplace was about saying, uh, oh, yeah, if I just cut off her hand, she will probably become an even worse thief. Now, he didn't say she will probably see the error of her ways and turn around. But you cannot know what someone will do next. Anyone has the ability to change for the worse or for the better. And there are some characters in the book where I'm sure Brandon is writing them to see how bad can I be? (laughs) Um, Is it impossible to redeem someone who is Mm. utterly horrible? You had actually started talking about that with Sadius about like, is there a way he could be forgiven? I think at one point. And I was like, I want to say no, because, like, the idea of, le- like, how do you make up for leaving Dalinar and 8,000 men to die? Could like leave baby in the woods and to die? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, listen, if anyone could re- have redeemed Sadius, I think Brandon could have figured a way out. Mm-hmm. But I kind of well, love the idea of him mm-hmm. just, like, boom, you're done, and me being like, okay, great, problem solved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how, like, how bad would... How bad would something that, like, a character you already love have had to have done for you to, like, turn on them, right? Like, what if it's the other way where you feel, feel, like, good about a character, but then it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did this thing. Like, you know, Shalon being responsible for the death of her parents, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's, like, pretty sympathetic, but you could imagine a scenario where she was a lot angrier, more vindictive, and that, you know, And, like, hunting them down or whatever. Of our our good guys. Uh, I'm going to pick. (laughs) Sorry, the numbers of my finger keep going up. No, I'm going to focus it down to just our main narrators. So, Kaladin, Adolin, Shalon, Dalinar... They're, they're like our main narrators. We've seen smaller smaller sections from other people. But, I mean, we saw Esh and I go deep side already through Words of Radiance. That so wasn't we'll, really her. Yeah, she was magically compelled. Yes. So we'll have to see what Oathbringer brings for Esh and I's story. But um, 
would Kaladin go dark side? I could, I, oh. Like, initially, I want to be like, not Kaladin, no, not Kaladin, who's so, like, worried about, you know, justice and all these things. But, like, I think out of everyone. Okay, here's what I think. I think I'm afraid to learn about Dalinar's past because he was such a warrior, such a a war-driven culture, and did things that, you know, brought entire kingdoms to their knees. There are going to be war crimes. I'm almost positive of that ash to ashes yeah so i feel like like dalinar's past is going to catch up with him because i also want to say it depends on if it's stuff they've done in the past versus stuff they do in the future Mm. like you can't change the past but you can help who you are now in in the present but i am worried about kaladin because i do feel he has the capacity to do that i'm not as sure now though because he has sil who's kind of keeping him on the right path quote-unquote, but I think out of everybody, Kaladin has the most potential to do it. And I don't want to say Adolin, but he stabs Thaddeus in the face, but that so kind of needed to happen. You just <laughs> said that Kaladin has still keeping him on the right path. Adolin has no such sprint. Yeah. And maybe stabbing Thaddeus in the face felt kind of good. Like, did it start something? Like, did it... Like, this could be the, the start of something uh, new. Ted, I have something hilarious that Emily said I think you'll get a kick out of is after the stabbing scene, Emily was like, this is, so, this is horrible. This can't be Adolin. And so she's like, tell me there's an evil spirit in Eurothiru that makes people murder. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have to read Oathbringer and see if, you know, Adolin was possessed. He didn't do it. He's my good boy. Emily, incredible. What? I I can't I can't, can't say anything else, but I'd simply read incredible. <laughs> I'd read, I, I'd read that, that book. book too. So okay, so one thing I will we we're just talking about the end of this. One thing that I struggle with a little bit with the Stormlight Archives and some of um, Brandon stuff overall. I feel like the second or the the. what is it called the second gen of mistborn books the the wax and wane books suffers from this to me way more than stormlight archives does but i'm like worried about Mm -hmm. where it's going is like when we get pulled into the escalation of broader cosmere stuff sometimes it feels like it is um it just it detracts from the action of the characters that i really care about so like Mm -hmm. it is i'm so invested in like lift and Kaladin and Dalinar and all those people. But then, like, when I think about the number of, like, immortal people and gods and secret societies who have so much more information and who are always there narratively pulling strings behind the scenes, I worry that the ability for the characters that I know and love to, like, make decisions that matter will, like, at mm. some point kind of stop mattering compared to, like, you know, for example, we don't, I at least don't really know what, what, um, Hoyd wants at the end of the day. But like, I could definitely imagine at some point. Yeah. At some point he'll be like, aha, but like I, you know, he does the, like, what's the, the trope, the like Xanathos Cause I who set the house ablaze. Yeah. He was like, Kaladin, when you like, when you lost my flute, like that was the, you know, that was the thing that led to this other thing. And I orchestrated it all. And I'm always worried (laughs) that like with a character, like, with I guess Nail, I'm talking about it with Nail because he stands in for like all of the heralds, these like players behind the scenes, and like 
it almost feels like, oh, Nail's been like secretly training these um, radiants, but like behind the scenes this whole time, like that completely changes kind of what I thought was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't feel like the Stormlight Archives books have crossed that threshold for me, but I was like a little bit worried with the last, um, the most recent mm-hmm. Mistborn book that came out. So like, I'm hoping that Stormlight 5 is like more about the characters that I've grown to know and love and less about just like cool, cool Cosmere reference. Wow. Do you know what I'm worried about? Do you know what I am worried about? What? That this book series is really only going to be nine books long. I think you, Brandon has been telling us 10 as since a troll. day one. And it's going to be the <laughs> ultimate 10 turning to nine. There is no 10th book. There's only going to be nine books on Roshar. Maybe are Roshar just, blows up. Maybe Roshar just, blows up in book nine. Are you just salty because Emily never believed Yasna was dead? <laughs> no! She did believe it was just a bit. I knew in her heart I'd cause true despair. And and she was really happy when Yasna came back. I was. I was very happy. I wouldn't put that past Brandon. I would be upset. Now, on the other flip side of this coin, I think there's a chance that the Way of Kings, the Stormlight Archive, could be 15 books long because of how Brandon operates <laughs> as oh a God, writer. Yeah. That he's always like, yeah, I'm going to write one book about a Western-flavored Mistborn. And then he wrote four. <laughs> Five? I've heard Eratu. That's what I was thinking of. But isn't he talking about there maybe being like five Mistborn arrows instead of four? I feel like I saw that at some point. There were originally supposed terrifying. to be three. Right. There was supposed to be uh, French Revolution, 1980s, and space travel. And then he's like... Oh, for fun! I want to write their industrial revolution. I want to. I want to talk about the Western. So that became era two. So there's four eras, definitely. But I can imagine there being five. So let's let's start wrapping up on Edge Dancer. Ted, you're gonna be back with several other guests to talk about the Emperor's Soul. So oh, Emily, so have fun. you have you now read this or not read it yet? Not yet. Um, no. Yay! I'm excited. It's the best to thing. It's just the best thing. Uh, and then we will get into Oathbringer and we'll see who becomes an irredeemable villain and what the evil spirits of Yurithiru have planned for our heroes. <laughs> and thank you, Ted, for spending time on your Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. podcast. Thanks with for us. having me back. This was so much fun. Of course. This we is crazy. I am wait to I'm have just you back excited. for Don Shard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just excited that I get to listen to the episodes that haven't been released yet about the end of Words of Radiance, because I will say Words of Radiance is my favorite book, and this is my mm-hmm. favorite Sander Lanch in the, in the, the four, so I'm, I'm super excited to relive it all yeah. through the podcast. Oh, you're great. And Emily, you're great. You. And so are well, you. I'm great. Obviously, oh, we're just sitting there being like, well yes, done, we are well great. <laughs> Yes, yes. Excellent podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh so, well, my name is Megan, and I've got to get back to doing my laundry. My name is Emily. I'm going to get back to relaxing. My name is Ted, and I'm going to go to the grocery store. Yay! <gasps> Have so much fun. You'll do great. Uh, do you want to know why, Ted? Why? Because I believe in you. <gasps> I believe in you. Ah, I believe in Ready, you. Ready, break! break.
Yeah, you do listen to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, friends. Thanks again for listening to My Sister Made Me View It, uh, our special Edge Dancer episode with Ted. Ted, thanks again for coming and hanging out with us and talking about Edge Dancer. And guess what, everybody? The next episode is going to be Oathbreaker, Chapter 1. So excited. It's such a good book so far. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. I really like it. Um, Just a big thank you to everyone who has come and listened. Uh, We wanted to let you know before things get too crazy, uh, we started a Patreon. (gasps) Yeah, you can find us at patreon.com slash sismademeviewit. And there are three tiers you can sign up for. The first tier is the $3 tier, We Believe in You, which means uh, that gets you exclusive access to our Discord channel. You can come chat with us, ask us questions that we'll answer during our recordings. Uh, You can talk about all our hyperfixations and just get to know everybody there. And it's really, really fun. So that's your first tier. Second tier is $7 tier at Friend of the Pod, where you get everything from tier one, including Discord privileges. And you also get early episodes. All the episodes come out for you on Mondays. Uh, And so everyone else has to wait until Tuesday and Thursday to get their episodes. But if you want to go one more tier up, we have the $12 episode, which is the honorary sibling episode, which means everything from tier one and tier two, plus access to a monthly exclusive patron live stream. Uh, Meg and I may do a video game playthrough. We may make a recipe from one of the books or movies or TV shows we've watched. For instance, uh, we are trying to get everything together for the orange cake from Our Flag Means Death. So watch for that if we can get that together. Um, We may do a running commentary on a movie that we watch. Just we'll be announcing seen those uh, when they come out. Uh, In addition to that, you can vote on projects you want to see next. And there is an exclusive special patron-only feed at the $12 level that you will get access to. And that is Meg and I go through the MCU. So that's currently running. That's one of your options for tier three, $12 honorary sibling. Uh, We also know that sometimes supporting us monetarily isn't in the budget, and we totally get that, and we just wanted to say thank you again for listening to us. If you do want to support the podcast but just can't at the moment, uh, going on to Apple iTunes or Spotify and rating and reviewing us is huge. That, like, helps us tons, and we super appreciate that. So if you like the podcast, if you like what you hear, Please go and rate and review us and let us know about it. Just kind of get our ratings up. Anyways, uh, we're going to take off, but I wanted to also throw a shout out to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. We use that for all of our pod feed, pod feed. We use this for our feeds on our podcast. Uh, Currently, obviously, we are doing, you know, Brandon Sanderson. We have another feed for the Roswell, the 1999 version. Our miscellaneous feed right now uh, is One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. It's a novel. Uh, We're almost done with Roswell, actually. And once that finishes, we're going to start the Scholomance series by Naomi Novik. So get ready for that to come up in the next few months. And hope your week is going great. And remember, we believe in you.